They've raised the bar on Rochester Sports Talk. You're in the Sports Bar with Danger and Battaglia on the Sports Leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950 The Fan, Rochester. All right, we're going to talk Buffalo Bills with Matt Perino, the Syracuse Post Standard, and the Shout Podcast as well. Matt, weigh in on this as well, because this is, it's really been consuming my thoughts for the last 24 hours. As somebody who enjoys the arts, Titanic, the movie. Chick flick? Ooh, you hit me with the with the hard stuff. Yeah, right out of the gate. I mean, I really want to set a tone with how this conversation is going to go. Um, uh, it's borderline. Like, I, I can make an argument that it's a period piece. I could make an argument that it's a chick flick. A lot of uh, a loviness to it. Um, I enjoy it. It's actually one of my wife's favorites. So uh-huh. every time it's on, like TBS or TNT, we're locking in. Uh, that's the three-hour voyage, yep. I like to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 but I'm a sucker for chick flicks, so sometimes like I don't maybe categorize movies that way because uh, I enjoy them. Yeah, and see, that, that's what we were also trying to, to figure out here is what actually qualifies as a chick flick. And I don't even know if in 2023 I'm allowed to say chick flick anymore. But uh, Brian, one of our regulars, points out that if you would go to see that movie in a theater with some of your guy friends, then it gets eliminated mm-hmm. from the chick flick conversation. Like, if I went with my brother-in-laws to, to Maverick, clearly that's not a chick flick, even though there are romantic elements to it. However, would you do the same thing for a movie like Titanic? Probably not. Wow, that's, there's some real nuance to this conversation. I like it. Uh-huh. And also, they don't make, you're right. I think chick flick, we should retire that term anyway. Um, but they don't make good movies, like like love stories. Like, they don't make them anymore. Like, what's the last movie, like, again, like I mentioned, I'm a sucker for this stuff. I don't know if I'm outing myself here, but um, The Notebook back in the day. I have one. I, uh, I was all. I have one from a couple of years ago that I discovered online called uh, Out of Time. Are you familiar with that one? Oh, is that with Rachel McAdams? That's right. I saw it. it almost great. any Rachel McAdams film qualifies, I think, under the, that that heading as well. She's in almost all of them. The, the, the two of you are just soft, sensitive men, all right? Just like, <laughs> who are like, oh, you know, you go home and their wives feel so good. Yeah. With such a Gene goes husband. home. He doesn't go home. He ignores his family altogether. I've got a Section 5 lacrosse game I've got to call tonight. Don't have time it's for your... It's a big one. It's your Victor. Victor. Time for your yeah. entertainment. All right, uh, let, let's get down to it, Matt. Thank you for indulging us on that. What, uh, what did you like and not like about the... Before we talk Puna Ford, what did you like and not like about this weekend with the Buffalo Bills and the NFL draft? Number one thing that I liked is going in, what, we, what do we talk about for weeks, right? Like they have to prioritize Josh Allen in this draft um, because they couldn't really go out and get big hitters in free agency. They didn't have the money. Uh, so to come out of there with two pieces on the offensive line that they're excited about, obviously Osiris Torrance, he probably is going to slot in day one as a starter. I know they're going to give us all the, you know, the conjecture and the talking points about, you know, everything is earned, but this is a guy that every time they've uh, he he's gone into a situation, he's he's pretty much been that guy, pretty pretty early on. And I don't think that there's anybody on the interior of this offensive line, and that includes, I mean, outside of Mitch Morris, of course, and that includes Connor McGovern. Listen, I know that they paid him some money, but he's still a guy that it, it wasn't until last season where he really solidified himself on that offensive line in Dallas. So I think this is a move that you go out and you pay McGovern. You put in Torrance day one at right guard, and then 
Bates kind of can swing anywhere you want him to. And I know Brandon B. didn't want to commit to it when I asked him about it the other day, but he can play some tackle too. He can get you out of games to tackle, and they might be in a spot, guys, where are, is anybody super excited about their swing tackle situation behind Spencer Brown? I mean, no. Tommy Doyle's coming off that injury. Maybe he, he bounces back. David Questenberry wasn't good last year. And so if, if, if you could tell me that Ryan Bates goes into the game, Spencer Brown or Deion Dawkins is hurt, I kind of like that idea. And then Kincaid, to me, this is also exactly what I wanted to see from this regime. Find a player that has an immediate path to not only production, but a role in this offense. It's something they've been searching for for two years, even when Cole Beasley was still on the roster and he was starting to kind of, you know, diminish returns a little bit as he kind of got out of his prime and, you know, was banged up a lot. They, they've not found consistency in the slot. This Dalton Kincaid um, experiment and what they possibly can do with him, you know, lining him up at different spots in, in the offense. I'm really excited about that as well for them and, and for Bills fans. And, and then they go out and they get a, a linebacker who I didn't give him a great grade for it. I gave him a C for it because I just didn't see it in the moment. But the more I've learned about Dorian Williams, the more I'm like loving this pick. I mean, there's, there's guys that have talked about, or evaluators, I should say, that have talked about him you know, that this is one of those, you know, day two guys, potential day three guys that are you're going to be talking about in four years. The problem is there might not be an immediate path to him playing because he might be more of an outside linebacker. But, again, positionless football, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of cross that bridge when we get there. But the most important thing going to this draft, get weapons for Josh Allen, get protection for Josh Allen, they got both. Yeah, I, Matt, I kind of agree with most of what you're saying. Here's my concern about Kincaid because we, we have kind of a – track record with Ken Dorsey like hey here's a, a nice pickup from Indianapolis in this trade oh we're, we're not going to use Naeem Hines out of the backfield or James Cook as a receiver like do we actually like in theory it sounds great do we actually think that we're going to see Kincaid you know used to the best of his abilities here so I was talking to Hines I believe it was like middle of December um, and we were just kind of shooting the breeze in the locker room and um, it was on a Friday, and usually those locker room days are, you know, you just kind of walk in stall to stall, talking to the usual suspects, and he was kind of just sitting there, and I said, how are things going? Like, I wasn't even trying to do a story, just how are things going? And he's like, honestly, man, I mean, my head's still spinning. He's like, I just, this last week, and what was he trading, the end of October? He had just gotten all of his stuff finally shipped from his house in the middle of December. And, you know, everything, his whole life was in Indianapolis for years, and it just got uprooted and he was changing all these things on the fly. I mean, I did a cross country move myself that I had, you know, a little bit more time to plan for and I wasn't starting right away. And I, and I know what went into that process and the headache of all those little things. And then the playbook is so complicated. Like Naheem Hines was in one system in Indianapolis for a long time. So I don't know if that situation is the best, um, you know, comparison to what Kincaid's going to look like with now, four months of ramp-up time in a full training camp and set up preseason games. And I also think that there's a role for him. Naeem Hines came in here in this weird way where they wanted him to be um, a weapon for the offense but never put him on the field to play. And so I think Kincaid, he's going to play. I don't think Deontay Hardy is necessarily a pure slot receiver anyway. So I always thought that that was a little funky with replacing McKenzie with Hardy because I think that's why McKenzie didn't work in that role because I don't think he's a true slot. I think he does a lot of different things and you can line him up in different spots. And so I think Kincaid, his strong suit is lining up in the slot, being that short to intermediate safety valve for the quarterback. And so I think 
That's why I'm a little bit higher on it. Uh, but with Hines, I also think Hines has a better, you know, trajectory here into training camp into the season because now he has a t- time to learn the playbook, get himself settled and comfortable and kind of roll it out again. Matt, I want to go back to linebacker before we talk about today's acquisition in Puna Ford. Um, Dorian Williams being drafted, and you said it, and I, th- I believe it was Brandon Bean who said it, mostly see him as an outside guy. He's a, more of a will than, than he is a Mike. So knowing what we know, uh, you spent a third-round pick on a guy who, what, is going to back up Matt Milano if Milano is is somehow inactive? And, and does this solidify that we'll see a competition between Klein, Bernard, and, and Dotson as a replacement for for what they're losing in, in uh, Edmonds? I, I think it's going to be – I think there's, this is nuanced also. Like, of course they're going to open up the competition to those three guys, right? But And I'm talking about Bernard – Specter and Dotson. I think Klein is is kind of more in that in case you need me role at this point. He'll play some special teams. He'll be that veteran presence in the room. But I don't know if they're going in counting on him to be the starter for 17 games. I think Dorian Williams is going to be a how quickly can you learn a complicated system? How quickly can you learn both positions? And then how good is what we have here? And do we have to force you to play sooner than expected because Bernard and Spectre and, and Dotson, none of them are, are really making it happen. I think that they're really banking on Bernard taking that huge step. And listen, I, we can't get through a press conference without Brandon Bean mentioning Balen Spectre in some way, even when he's not asked about him. And there's obviously a little bit of juice behind this guy in the building. They love the fact that he stayed there all offseason. He's in his playbook. He's in the weight room. He's, he's training. The way that he plays the game is complete opposite of the way that Tremaine Edmonds played the game. He was a, you know, one read, shoot to the ball, shoot the gap, and just play like with your hair on fire, right? And it took Tremaine Edmonds a little time to get to that point. So there, there might be some excitement about him. Um, but I think Dorian Williams, if he does enough over the next three months leading up to training camp, and then he could show some versatility, and they don't like what the other three guys are doing – I'm not ruling out the, the idea of them just saying, listen, lean on Matt Milano. He's a veteran. We're not going to ask you to call the defense. Maybe we'll have Jordan Poyer more in, more in that role or, or, or even Milano, and then we'll, we'll kind of make it more positionless and make both spots hybrid. I mean, listen, Sean McDermott has the, the, the reins now, right? He's got the keys to that defense. He can do anything he wants with this thing, and maybe getting the best athletes on the field should be the ultimate goal, especially if some of these other guys aren't working out. Matt Perino, Syracuse Post Standard. You can catch his work along with Ryan Talbot on the Shout Podcast. Uh, Matt, as far as the, the Puna Ford going back to him, I mean, it's going to take away a job from somebody, and all of a sudden I'm looking at this depth chart. I'm like, no, they're not keeping 10 or 11, you would figure here, and I'm, I'm counting on Von Miller being on PUP to start the season, but you kind of brought up an interesting point about Ed Oliver. We know he's in a contract year, but could we see him used differently now with this signing? I think we have to see him use differently. And listen, if I'm Brandon Bean, this is something I was talking about a couple months ago, I'm really excited about his fifth-year option because I think you could play it the same way you played the Edmonds situation. You have him go out there, you play him in this three-tech-only role, which would allow him to just rush the passer. Like what I mentioned on Twitter is like so much, if you go back and watch some of his you know, games where you just have all of his plays that he's on the field for, he, he, of course, plays that three-tech role where they let him kind of go one-on-one with usually the left guard and rush the passer. But there's a lot of times where he's over the center, over the ball, and he's eating double teams and swallowed up by centers and right guards. And it's like, 
all right, that's not the play with this guy. He can do it. Like, he did it in, at Houston. And actually, if you go back and look at his scouting report, because I did just as I was looking at some other defensive tackles in this, um, this year's draft, and one of the things people talk about is, like, amazing how much he's able to play that one-tech role despite his size. But just because you could do something doesn't mean it's to be done that way. They drafted him to be a pass rusher, to sack the quarterback. And it just – I think they ask him to play a role that just – puts a wear and tear on his body and his energy over the course of the game that he's never been able to just dial it up as a pass rusher. So maybe now with Ford, you have him at one tech, you have Daquan Jones. I think Jordan Phillips and Tim Settle both can play some one tech. Now you free up Ed Oliver in year five to finally just pin your ears back. You are going to, he's already been pretty good against the run anyway, but just go out and rush the passer, get some sacks. And if he goes out and finishes with 12, 13 sacks this year, and then he hits free agency and he gets, you know, that big $20 million a year money, and it's not with the Bills, that's okay because you're going to end up getting a comp pick, and then you kind of roll it back and figure it out, and maybe you look at that position in the draft next year. And Puna Ford's strength is that run defense, right? He's a run stuffer. He's not the guy that he's going to get after the quarterback. Do you see him as a guy that maybe comes in a rotation with with Jones? We saw that he got you know just over 50% of the defensive snaps in Seattle last year. Yeah, and actually, interesting enough, I was reading some stuff um, – from some of the beat reporters there. And um, Pete Carroll actually said that he thought that they played for too much out of position, which was at that three tech rusher role last year. And he's more suited for one technique. So now he gets to come in and play the backup role to Jones in that way. And I feel like he probably quickly vaults to one of the best, like third defensive tackles in the NFL, right? Like, I mean, this is a guy that, for weeks now, all we've heard about is the you know two or three seasons there that he had in the middle of his five-year run in Seattle where he was really disruptive. He um, He's a hustle guy. I read one play where um, he ran down a receiver 20 yards down the field just following the play. I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff that you know Sean McTermott and Brandon B just love. Super popular in the locker room. Uh, always talked about uh, amongst teammates. One of the more popular guys there over the last five years. So I think they got a really nice package in a player here that you probably had to play a little bit more than vet minimum based on the reports that are out there right now, but it's probably not nearly what he was going to get. There's, you know, reports from our own uh, Ryan Talbot that said um, he, he turned down other offers that were higher than what he ultimately got with the bills. Cause he wants to chase a ring. And so this continues to be a storyline also with this team is like, you know, guys want to come to this team for a chance to you know play in January and maybe February. Yeah, you're the same, man. I'm sure you could have made more money in Vegas, but you're here in Western New York. You're chasing that ring. Matt Perino, Syracuse Post <laughs> Standard, our guest. Uh, another signing, and this one's maybe a little different because I consider him a guy from the area, Matt. Uh, he's from Syracuse, Latavius Murray. Um, I, I don't think he's roster fodder here. I think he's got a real shot to make this roster. How does he pencil in here? And I'm trying to think at the back end. I mean, if he ends up being the last cut, I mean, in a perfect world, he's on a practice squad. But I don't know if uh, you know if, if some team wouldn't pick him off that point. What are your thoughts on Murray against uh, everybody else in this competition? I think I, I'm in line with you. But here, let me just talk this through for a second because I do think that he could challenge Hines, um, and who knows? Maybe even he can even challenge Harris. I mean, they like they've liked him for a while. He's a physical, bigger-bodied running back that I think adds a dimension for sure. And, but here's the thing, listen to what he was saying yesterday. It was pretty much Buffalo or bust for him. He wants to win a ring. And I think what's happened over the years, like Duke Johnson spent the, the entire season in the practice squad last year. And I think 
multiple teams in the league probably called him up or probably like, you know, did some due diligence on that and just realized, oh, he doesn't want to leave the Bills. Like that, that he, he played last season for the Bills specifically. And I think he mentioned that actually a couple times in the room. So I think like if you're another team and you're looking for running back help, you know, you, and you, you kind of work the back channels and Murray kind of comes back and like, no, I don't really want to play for you. Well, then you're probably not going to go and try to pluck that guy. And I think that's the way that now that, you know, in the last couple of years since COVID, you could play some of these veterans now on the practice squad. It's kind of changed the dynamic of it all because I don't think any team that's really looking for an answer wants to go out and pluck a guy off a practice squad that's just going to come in and be uh, disappointed about it. Um, so that might be a path to it. If they want to keep those three guys on the roster and try to get Murray on the practice squad, uh, they really like Harris. But for sure, competition. This is going to be – I tweeted it yesterday. Uh, this is one of my the, – the most fun camp battle that I'm looking forward to is the running back spot because now all of a sudden you got you got four that I think you could get excited about. Yeah, and we were looking over the what we can 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 kind of project as the final fifty three, Matt, and it doesn't feel like going into the offseason program and into training camp this year that there's as many maybe bubble players as there have been in years past. Did you observe the same thing or are we losing our mind? No, you're right. I mean it's it feels like there there's the starting lineups are kind of set. The backups are kind of set. There's going to be a couple things here and there, like the Cam Lewis's of the world, the Balin Specters of the world, you know, the Shaq Lawson's of the world, which is crazy because he was, he was really vital for them last year. But I think they could probably even live in a world that nobody came calling for him. Nobody. And so I think if that's the case, I think it's just a situation where that's the player his fit is just best in Buffalo. Like he went to two other, three other teams and it didn't work out anywhere. Really, he was okay in Miami, and then it didn't work in Houston with, and with the Jets. So maybe he's a guy that you can get on the practice squad as well. And, you know, a bunch of offensive linemen that are going to duke it out for maybe like nine spots. And then at tight end, uh, you could probably just go in with the two and, and try to sneak Quentin Morris onto the practice squad maybe. So, yeah, there really isn't a lot of bubble players. I think you're right. Matt, uh, draft is done. Can can you get us some schedule leaks here? That's the next thing we're on to here. The NFL machine, they could have released this today, but no, they want us talking about it for here for a week. Yeah, you listen, if I had anything, you know, I I'm I'm waiting for it because I got to book all this stuff to London now. You know, we got a we got quite the schedule on tap here coming up next season and and who knows if there's another five night games that complicates things. So you know, this year, as soon as that schedule drops, I mean, I usually wait until like a week before training camp to start booking everything. I think I'm going to knock everything pretty much out in the next, in the week after the schedule comes out. What do you got going on in the shop podcast here that we can check out over the course of uh, this week, Matt? What are you and Ryan working on? Well, I don't want anybody to turn off Danger and Battaglia, but we are actually going live right now to oh. talk about the uh, Puna Ford uh, signing. I think it's a big enough one. It's called an emergency uh, pod. This is an emergency, yep, emergency pod. pod. Yeah, yep. talk a little Latavius Murray, some uh, holdover draft stuff, and then we'll be back tomorrow night uh, for our usual show. We're actually going to do our first 53-man roster projection because I'm going to put one of those out tomorrow. Matt, thank you for your time. Good luck with the pod here, and we'll uh, do this again next week. Thanks, buddy. Sounds good, boys. Take care. You got it. There he is, Matt Perino, covering the Buffalo Bills for the Syracuse Post Standard. Um, back to the hot topic of the day. Um, just doing some reading here, and it seems like many people uh, consider chick flick misogynistic. The preferred term is rom com. Oh, okay. So, so, so we, look, so, man, yeah. I brought it up. Okay, I'm very self aware, and I'm aware of the world that we live in now. And I was the one that brought it up. I'm. I will refrain from that terminology moving forward. 
because the last thing I want to do is offend anybody. I really, really don't want to offend anybody. I would never. Okay. Now I don't know if you're serious or not, dude. Well, we're we're going to, like, I see a lot of people tweeting at us about Titanic and their thoughts on the film. However, there's nothing comedic about Titanic, so that can't be a rom-com. What exactly is it? (laughs) I mean, yeah. unless you find the guy's head bouncing off of the smokestack funny, which I kind of chuckle every time. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about, right? Where the, the ship is almost completely vertical as it's sinking. Oh, I'm sorry. Is this a spoiler? And the guy from the top of the deck is hanging on, and he lets go, and he's, he's falling. You hear his head bounce off of the smokestack like a gong. You don't find it funny that a 95-year-old woman is talking about the most erotic moment in her life and then everybody's glued to it? That's 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 high comedy there, Dander. <laughs> Let me tell you about the guy that I love. hi Oh, that guy's head just bounced off the smokestack. hi Oh, wait a second. Here's a piece of jewelry that's worth millions. I'm going to throw it away in the ocean. <laughs> All right, maybe it is a rom-com. John tweeting us, Titanic is 100% a drink flick. Per my wife, and she hates drink flicks. Our favorite burner, Chuck Muncie, was here. Because you brought up the, all right, like Jerry Maguire, you know, sports movie, but is it really a chick flick? Summer Catch with Jessica Biel and Freddie Prince Jr. Is that, a, it? okay, we got to refrain, rom-com. <laughs> The answer is yes. I've watched that. Absolutely it is. I've never seen it, so yeah, it must be. It must be. Absolutely. You're putting it on Cape Cod and everything else, uh-huh. and it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the girl can get them all. You know, all right. Yeah. Well, look, we've this is a very offensive topic that we've, we've taken a, a, di- a deep dive into, and I do not want to continue down this path. All right, we could really, really get ourselves in trouble if we keep talking about these kind of movies in the sports bar. So you've always wondered what would get you canceled, I'm pulled one, off the air. This is like, yeah, I am one misstep away from my career behind a microphone. Being you want fries with that? Welcome to the sports bar with Bataglia and Drummy, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the Twitter account cry at the drop of a pen, who's becoming one of our regulars here, tweeting me directly. Titanic is a trick look. End of discussion. All right, so we're going to retire that phrase because of its its misogynistic. But we do need another. I'm sorry, like rom com is not a, a, a one size fits all because Titanic is not a rom com either. I. I I chuckle when the guy's head bounces off the smokestack, but I'm warped. And that that's really the only laugh I got out of that movie. Uh, we'll take a break and come back. It's time for I'll Drink to That in the Sports Bar. We've got some takes on tap. Yeah, I've got another take here on the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, ultimately, if you're somebody who's like, all right. And I think most of us are like, okay, the draft, free agency. Uh, like, what did you expect? I'm going to tell you what's actually important here. Also, the Yankees are in a weird spot here. Uh-huh. Last place. Uh-huh. Now, it's early. Uh-huh. Or. Are they pathetic? It, or. Just say this. Anybody that thinks that Aaron Rodgers is going to get carved up by the New York media, it's not true. I'll explain. I'll tie the two together. <laughs> uh, I've got a six-pack of best bets. A six-pack to serve up here in the sports bar. 
my favorite plays tonight in the NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball. You can fade or you can follow. It's entirely up to you. Because you're in the uh, danger zone. That's on the way next here in the Sports Bar with Danger and Bataglia. And if we're going to talk about some sports gambling... How about FanDuel Sportsbook, official partner of 95.7 The Fan? FanDuel, the only sportsbook app where you can bet the Kentucky Derby. It's happening on Saturday. And right now, all customers can get a no-sweat derby bet up to $20. That means you'll get up to $20 back if your win bet doesn't win. And what you love about FanDuel is you have great promotions every day. It's safe, it's secure. And when you do win, you get paid instantly. Bet America's number one race this Saturday with America. America's number one sports book. Just visit racing.fanduel.com slash Mike for your chance to get a no-sweat derby bet up to $20 this Saturday for the Kentucky Derby. That's racing.fanduel.com slash Mike. 21 plus and reside in New York. Offer valid on first derby win wager. Verified FanDuel racing account required. Refund issued is non-withdrawable racing site credit that expires on 6-12-23. Restrictions apply. See terms at racing.fanduel.com. Dot com. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Odyssey has sports for every fan. Keep up with your favorite teams from across the country and get the inside scoop from experts. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Odyssey.